In today's episode, I discuss hope with Mark Roberts. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. For years, I've heard great things about Mark Roberts, and I've never had the opportunity to meet him until this episode. He is a preacher who's been working with the West Side Congregation in Irvine, Texas. He's been there for almost 30 years, and he is also an incredible maker of various tools that can be used by different congregations as they seek to try to dig deeper and prepare their members for the work that God has for us. You'll find when you talk to Mark, he is either going to be talking about coffee, fountain pens, or C.S. Lewis, and you'll see that in our conversation today. I hope you will enjoy the things that we had to say about hope and I hope they will challenge you. Let's go ahead and dig in. Well, let's start with a definition. How would you, from a biblical perspective, or even from a secular perspective, how would you define the word hope? Well, I would expect most of the listeners have some thinking about hope. That's a pretty common word, something like desire plus expectation, or to look forward to something with confidence. I'm a particular fan of the Hebrews passage I love the imagery here of an anchor. We have this strong encouragement, Hebrews 6.18 says in the ESV, to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I love the idea of being anchored and being steadied by it. Someone said that hope is when we look forward to a future that will be different from now. And I think that's a fine definition of hope. And I really like this in a practical sort of way. I am very much a how can I put this in my pocket and walk around with it kind of guy. Here's you a very working definition of hope. Hope is what fills in this blank. Because of this, I will be okay someday. Because of this, I will be okay someday. Whatever you're putting in that blank, that is what you are hoping in. Paul even says in Romans 8 that hope that is realized isn't hope that's seen isn't hope. So yeah, there has to be some longing. There has to be some longing for something better, for, for something more, in order for hope to be functioning in our lives. I think there is a, a very pervasive sense of hopelessness in our society today. Now, that doesn't mean the average person is walking down the street thinking about spirituality and longing for an eternity with God and and to be in the presence of Jesus and the Spirit. However, I don't think there's any doubt that our society has shifted in its overall outlook, uh, maybe from 
from what I would call an optimistic outlook, you, you think about some of the literature and some of the writing that was done like in the early 1900s, technology was advancing and it just seemed like we were rolling back the frontiers of ignorance and the globe was getting smaller and, and people just had had a very optimistic outlook on things as uh, that, that we're getting better and utopia is just around the corner. And then the Great War, World War One really dashed a lot of that sense of optimism and, and, and all of those kinds of hopes, um, only then for that to kind of get rolling again in the 1920s. And, and then again, there was a giant war. But, but even coming out of World War II, and, and once again, there's technology and there's scientific advancement. I think if you, you ask the average American in 1950, coming into the early 1960s, what's your sense of tomorrow um, what's your expectation? If hope is when we look forward to a future that's different than now, is the future going to be better? Is the future going to be worse? I think a lot of people would have said, oh, it, it, the, the trend is up. We're, we're up. And I, I don't think people would say that today at all. In fact, I was doing some research to do some preaching about hope and to think about hope. And there was one mental health expert who said, talking about nihilism, I'm, I'm not a big fan of isms, uh, that seems to often lead uh, audiences to uh, to snooze land. But nihilism, if you think about the word annihilate, means nothing. And and he was talking about how there's a there's a growing sense of nihilism. And he, what he said was the idea from that is that things are awful right now, and nothing can be done about it. Nothing will change, and nothing will help that. And I think that probably captures a lot of the spirit of our age. There was a, a CDC study done from 2009 to 2021 that said the share of American high school students who say they have persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness rose from 26% to 44%. That's almost half of high school students who are living in one of the most prosperous countries in the world, have all kinds of crazy technology and opportunities and education and all kinds of things, and yet almost half of them have persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. And in fact, during the pandemic, one in four girls in high school said they seriously considered suicide. So this is not the most hopeful time in American history. And I think that makes it a great time for Christians to talk about what hope really is and how hope operates in our lives. So I've read a study that said this is what makes our generation, this, this newest generation, unique is that it's the first generation ever where the expectation is that things will be worse than they've been before, that you will make less money than your parents made, and that you will have less advantages than your parents had. One, this, this, that's the first time the the upward climb of that, of that graph has, I, I guess, peaked out and we're finally on a decline, it seems, uh, or at least that's the way people feel about life in general. Or that's the way the media tells us it's going to also be. Also true. Also true. And again, uh, without getting conspiratorial or anything like that, you know, there are, are there reasons behind that? Are there, are there uh, you know, possible um, driving forces for some of those changes? Regardless of any of that, what's interesting is the answer for the hopelessness of life is still the same as it has always been, which is to quit looking to this life for hope. In Romans fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's the answer right there. To, you know, you're, you're not going to find your hope in those finances because even if the trajectory was still up, that doesn't mean it is for each of us individually. You, know, you, you don't find your satisfaction in the world. You find it in the God of hope and the Holy Spirit who causes us to abound in hope. I could not agree more. And even in times when America was doing economically well or not trying to thrash through the through a pandemic and, and all that goes with that or whatever else is a world war, there still has been lots of writing and lots of discussion about people inside. Maybe this is a little C.S. Lewis here as he, he talks about that. There's that there's that longing for something that this world cannot satisfy. And that, that of course, is because, because we are spiritual creatures. And maybe I'm always ready to blame the media for everything, but maybe as we think about the hopelessness of our age, the more we ignore the spiritual side of our being and how we are made in the image of God and we are made to want God, the more we ignore that, the more hopeless things will be because we start to fill in the blank with things that absolutely, there's only one thing that will will fill that blank. And, and without trying to disparage heaven, which will be pretty amazing, not even heaven actually really fits the blank. It's God that is what, will make me okay and i think maybe maybe we ought to think about adam as we think about hope one of the problems that christians have is that we do have a tendency to push all of the all of the hope of of christianity and christians way far into the futures when you die then it's all going to get good well especially if you're talking to a young person who is 15 years old uh, and yes they okay they could die tomorrow it could happen However, I think the chances are pretty good that they're not. You know, the average lifespan in America is not going up because all the 15-year-olds are getting killed every day. So there's a pretty good chance that they are going to live a really long time. And so the idea then pretty quickly becomes I'll put my hope in other things. And then maybe like when I'm, when I'm old, which I, I really love, I had, a, I had a kid tell me one time that um, he hoped to, to, to get, live to, and be really old. He wanted to make it to 30 and... Uh, at the time, I was well past 30, and I thought, if you keep talking like that, you're not going to make it to 30, son. But, uh, you know, young people see life as as a, as, as going to last forever, and, and I'll get that Christianity thing later so that I can catch the last flight to heaven. In the meantime, i got to do all this other stuff. We need to talk more about how Christians, I love that you read that verse, abound in hope. It's, we don't have a, a little bit of hope that one of these days when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. We abound in hope, and that hope needs to be operating in our lives right now. And I love that you, you make this point that it's not about the end. It's not about something coming. It's about God, who we can have now. Uh, Psalm 39, verse 4. O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. So here we're talking about end of life. Talking about how much more of life and what's at the end. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands with a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. So all this sounds really hopeless. It, it sounds like life is a disaster. This is horrible. But then the very next verse says exactly what you said. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. 
you know, God is my hope now. I don't have to wait for the end of life. I don't have to wait for things that are still coming. My hope is now because my hope is God. That's exactly right. And and so Paul will say things like in 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul there says eternal life is now. Take hold of that now. And because God is the source of all life, he is talking about our relationship with God and that that is a now thing. And the more we build into our lives that understanding, the more we start filling in the blank with, I'm going to be okay because God is working in my life, because I know the Lord, because I care about God, because I'm interested in what God is interested in, because I'm developing my relationship with God, and God is working in me. I don't always understand everything about that. I don't think Joseph did. I don't think Daniel did. But the, you know, the Hebrew writer says... May the God of peace who brought again, Hebrews 13, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So I I get up every morning and I know God is doing something in my life. He is shaping me, Romans 8, to be more like his son. He's bringing me providentially in contact with people who need to have that hope and who need to know Him. But God is doing something that gives me purpose, gives me a reason to get up in the morning, gives me a reason to have expectation. That doesn't mean everything is going to be a rose garden. Sometimes terrible things happen. I don't think Joseph was really excited about being in prison or being sold into slavery. But God was working in his life to do something that was extremely important that needed to be done. And I know God is working in my life. He's he's created us for good works, which Paul says... He made beforehand. Have we ever thought about that? God has some things that he created beforehand, Ephesians 2.10. And, and now I'm going to go do those things, and, and God's going to help me discover those things. And that's where my hope is that I'm building my relationship with the Lord. I love that. So let me let me throw another thing out at you. Um, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, also from Romans, since every passage I keep turning to comes from Romans, which I was really surprised about how much the book of Romans says about hope when we don't ever think of the book of Romans as being a book about hope. But I, I find it interesting over in Romans chapter 5 where it talks about character produces hope. And that came in a long line of things. You know, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. And hope does not uh, disappoint. It does not put us to shame. Why does character produce hope? I think character produces hope as we learn not to quit and not to give up and to continue to see things through. Because to use the illustration of Joseph, to spend those two more years in prison waiting for his friend to speak up in the court, that that wears you down and, and causes you to decide maybe God isn't doing anything. Well, has he? And when has he? And when? And we are impatient creatures. And so we're going to need to have faith. Faith and hope just go really well together. And we're going to need to to have that kind of character that causes us to rely on the things that are not seen and to trust in God's goodness and to trust that God knows what he's doing. And so I'm not going to give up my hope just because life has gotten rocky, which was probably pretty important to the church in Rome 
things were pretty rocky there and they were going to get worse. I really love how the Bible never pulls punches and never says things like, oh, everything is going to be amazing and, and um, health and wealth gospel for everybody. You get this and you get this and you get it. Instead, the Bible pretty regularly says things like you're being persecuted and you'll be persecuted more. Christians can put up with anything that, that happens here in this life because we know God is working through us and we know that the ultimate resolution. Paul talks about that to the Philippian brethren. If, I'm, if I stick around, that'll be great and, and that'll be good for you guys. Um, but you know what? If I don't stick around, that'll be really great. He is living. He is anchored. That is that's anchor hope right there. That's anchor hope right there. And that's something that that people today absolutely do not have. Even that sense of 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 what to do tomorrow, much less to, to have that kind of of calmness in 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 a major major storm. He is anchored. Well, and I love not just anchors, but uh, Paul often makes a statement over in Romans twelve that you are to rejoice. And hope. So it's not just a, okay, just hold on. I know it's miserable, but just hold on. Grit your teeth. You're good to go. Hold on. It'll get better eventually. It's, start rejoicing. Like you know, The hope we have is worth rejoicing about. Stand up and applaud. Like, be excited and jump up and down about it. And that hope makes us steadfast. He tells the Thessalonians that he rejoices in their steadfastness. And, and in the steadfastness of their hope. And, and he tells the Thessalonians that uh, as he talks about some of those believers who have died and gone on to be with the Lord and we grieve. And then what does he say? We grieve, but not as those who have no hope. I, I read an amazing article by an English uh, columnist in a London paper after there was a terrorist bombing and a bunch of kids were killed at a concert and her daughter really concerned and said, I don't want to go to concerts anymore. And she was bemoaning the fact that she's not religious and, and doesn't have any connection to God. So she didn't know what to say to her daughter that would provide any kind of mechanism to have hope. And I thought, it's just tremendously sad that you're in, you're in that place because Christians can cope with the reality of today and, and, and even weep. When bad things happen, but we sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. I don't control the future, but I certainly know the one who does. And I do think sometimes as, as Christians, we're too built into this world and preserving our place in this world and making sure some of our concerns as, as, as Christianity has become very, very right wing in its, in its politics, some of that. I, I get it. I, I get some of that, but some of it, it seems to be about how can we maintain a very cushy position in, in our place in society where we can live our lives the way that we like living our lives. And maybe we need to realize that's not what our hope yeah. is. Uh, if, if all of our work is done in order to preserve our place of comfort, then we probably have life a little bit backwards because this life isn't about comfort about serving a God who never promised that we should be comfortable. He promised that we would be useful if we do things his way. I think that's an important distinction to make, that we have been blessed and in, in many ways are, in human history, are in kind of an aberration. Most of history has not seen religious freedom and civil liberties in the way that we enjoy. This is really an unusual time that we live in, and... In some ways, we seem really, really determined to maintain the bubble 
And I'm not sure we can maintain the bubble. And even if we are blessed, uh, I'm, I'm not in favor of being persecuted. I'm not signing up for that today. But even if we can maintain the bubble, that's not what that's not what it's about. That's that is not what it's about. Uh, we need to think more about our relationship with the Lord, and we need to think more about building our hopes in a deeper relationship with God, so that even if this life was as good as it could possibly be, and 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 this is C.S. Lewis and that desire for more, there would still be that lack of satisfaction because this world can never satisfy my desire for God. Um, and I, I think about that because I, we think about our relationship with the Lord. When I'm away from Dina in a gospel meeting, uh, traveling on a hunting trip and so forth, even if everything is going great and I'm having a great time, wonderful brethren and everything is just, just wonderful, I deep in my soul, I'm, I'm restless and, and I'm unsatisfied because I, I'm not with my wife I'm not with Dina to share that with. So this world, if it was absolutely supremely perfect, 105%, um, the Dallas Cowboys never lost a game, and um, that big buck always walked out right in front of me, and, and my coffee never was cold like it has managed to go cold while I'm talking to you. If everything was absolutely perfect, it still wouldn't be perfect. And we need to think about that more. And our hope is in building our relationship with the Lord so that someday we will be where things are, are, are they really are perfect. They really are perfect. Well, and I, I wish we would use our, our, our opportunity for less of a focus on comfort and more of a focus on the opportunities that the comfort gives us to give this gospel, this hope to other people. And, and I think sometimes we are so concerned about maintaining our level of, of ease, our level of comfort that we forget. There's a whole lot of people out there who don't have our hope, and they don't have that same comfort, and it is up to us to share it with them, it's, and that might cause us to be a little bit uncomfortable, but that's okay, because that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We, we need to be hope sharers. Um, be ready to Anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you, First Peter three fifteen, we need to be this. We need to be sharing hope because this is a hopeless age. And I think sometimes we look around and the person who they never go to church, we never see them up on Sunday morning. We're climbing in the car and they they are never getting in their car. They're never going anywhere. If you say something about church, they're no, we don't really do that. We're not we're not really churchgoers. But if we start talking about hope and that gnawing feeling that things aren't going to be better tomorrow, that I don't really have something to fill in that blank because of this, I will be okay. That may press some buttons in people's lives that may cause them to open up and say, I am dissatisfied and my life is really comfortable and I have a really nice house and I have a job and I have two cars and all of this, but I still don't, I, 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 I oh, I, I don't have the kind of hope that I wish that I had. That may provide us some avenues and some opportunities, as well as if we are stripped of the good things that we have and that we enjoy, but we meet those challenges in faith and hope, that will cause some people to look over at Christians and say, well, look at those people. Their lives, they're getting beat up and kicked around and abused and so forth, and they still are people of character, they're, and they still rejoice. What is, what is up yeah. with that? 
what do they have that we don't have over here? So either side of that hope becomes really, really important to a Christian in, in if we're going to get in that business of sharing hope. I certainly hope you could hear Mark's passion for this topic of hope. And honestly, it's a passion that all of us Christians should share. We have a great opportunity to serve an awesome and amazing God. And that God has given us hope beyond measure. He's given us abundant hope. It's the very center of what we are as his people. And that should be something we love to talk about. This conversation with Mark lasted well over an hour. We just had a blast talking. And because of that, there were some things we got into, like the role of hope in response to what the news is, what the media is, and the role of scripture, and the way that we use scripture, and how that can provide us hope. So there's going to be a bonus episode with Mark where I share some of that with you, and some practical tips on how to take your daily Bible reading and really get more out of it. I hope it will challenge you and increase your faith. Our very next episode will be Mark explaining daily Bible readings and other things. Share this episode with your friends. Let other people know about Preach Impediments and go check out more about past episodes at PreachImpediments.com. Until next time.